You're listening to the Earn That Body Podcast, episode number 246. Welcome to the Earn That Body Show with Kim Eagle. Kim is an award-winning personal trainer. She trains her clients all over the world online and is passionate about empowering people by getting fit and healthy. How's everyone doing? This is Kim Eagle with the Earn That Body podcast, back to bring you some awesome information about health, fitness, and nutrition. Where are we at? Wow, we are like fully in basically, or I should say we're just starting fall season, which is definitely my favorite season of the year. The weather finally starts to cool off, at least it does around here, sort of. (laughs) Could take another month for it to really cool off in Texas, but I hope you're getting some cooler temperatures and ready for fall season. I'm excited because this is the season that the holiday challenge takes place in. Every year, Earn That Body has a holiday challenge in December open to everyone and anyone. It is a super fun two-week challenge to help you not gain holiday pounds. It has helped so many of my clients go into the new year feeling awesome instead of going into the new year feeling like, ugh, I have to detox, I have to go on a diet, I have to lose weight. There's no better way to start January than already feeling awesome. So this year, the holiday challenge will be in December as it always is, and it is two week challenge like it always is, and it is going to be awesome. It's going to revolve around the all new program coming out called um, Two Weeks to the Six Pack, or the Two Week Six Pack. I haven't completely uh, officially <laughs> given it the full title, but it's basically the Two Week Six Pack, and that's going to include include some nutritional guidance, um, guidance for bloating. You know that feeling all over your stomach where you're like, I know there's a six pack under there, but there's just this layer of bloating over it that I've got to get rid of. So we're gonna work on that in the challenge as well. And overall, just keeping you on track and feeling awesome with some pretty awesome uh, core workouts, core videos that are, I don't know, I think they're some of my best yet. So lots to look forward to. That information will come out in the November newsletter. If you're not on the newsletter list, you want to get on it. It's completely free. Go to earnthatbody.com forward slash newsletter. And if you are in the private community group, that's for anybody who has ever done any Earn That Body program of any kind. Even if you just bought the meal plan, you get to be in the private Facebook Earn That Body community group, they always get first access with sometimes a little discount um, to new programs. So they're gonna get access first to sign up for the holiday challenge, and then it opens up to the public. It does usually sell out, so it's something that you wanna register for early and then just know it's waiting for you in December. All right, team. So what are we gonna talk about today? We are going to talk about being present. Because being present is truly the greatest present that you can give yourself. Now, there was an author, um, Mariko Thum, and this is what Mariko says about the present moment. The present moment is the only thing where there is no time. It is the point between past and future. It is always there and it is the only point we can access in time. Everything that happens, happens in the present moment. 
Everything that ever happened and ever will happen can only happen in the present moment. It is impossible for anything to exist outside of it. Why should we be more present, you guys? Well, I can tell you this, it's not a fad. We're going to talk about all of that after this. And now, it's time for the Eagle's Eye on Health. These are Kim's quick tips, latest health news, or piece of weekly inspiration. In today's Eagle Eye on Health, we have a great article coming to you from one of my favorites, Dr. Andrew Weil. And he had an article that came up that definitely caught my eye because it said honey versus maple syrup. Now you have to know something about me right here. Maple syrup is my all-time fave, and we are not talking about pancake syrup, which is fake maple syrup, which if you are one of my friends and you go to breakfast with me, you know that I always ask, do you have real maple syrup? Because if they don't, I will not go back to that breakfast place because it is so important to me. I love maple syrup. I have it every single day in my oatmeal or on my waffles. And so when I saw that Andrew Weil had this article, Honey versus Maple Syrup, I literally thought to myself, well, I'm gonna read this article, but no matter what he says, I'm not giving up my maple syrup. (laughs) And I was certain that I knew what he was gonna say. So I'm gonna share it with you right now. He asked, which is healthier? Honeyer or maple, honeyer, <laughs> well, I don't think honeyer is, but which one is healthier, honey or maple syrup? Now, although both of these natural sweeteners have a lot of similarities, he says, they do have some key differences. Those differences are what make maple syrup a healthier choice. Hooray, I've already made it through the first part of the article and I was so excited to hear that maple syrup was the choice. Now listen to why, because I find this really interesting. Both honey and maple syrup are sticky, viscous, amber-colored liquids that are often used as alternatives to table sugar, whether in baking or when added to tea or other beverages. Honeybees produce honey from the sugary nectar of flowers and they store it in honeycombs. Now, real maple syrup is made from the sap of maple trees, which is high in sugar in early spring. And then he definitely says, don't confuse it with pancake syrup, an imitation product that typically contains artificial colors, preservatives, and gets its sweetness from high fructose corn syrup. That's why you never want to use pancake syrup. If they don't have real maple syrup, it's artificial, just so you know. Now, he says that the major differences between honey and maple syrup involve their nutritional composition. Both honey and maple syrup contain a similar amount of calories. One tablespoon of honey has 64 calories, one tablespoon of maple syrup has 52. At first glance, they may seem similar in carbohydrate content as well. Honey contains 17.3 grams per tablespoon, and maple syrup has 13.4 grams. But that's almost a difference of an entire teaspoon of extra sugar. Honey does contain small amounts of antioxidants, like vitamin C, while maple syrup is much richer source of manganese, zinc, and vitamin B2. Now, he says, for me, the tiebreaker between these two sweeteners is the type of sugar they contain, particularly the amount of fructose. The body cannot metabolize fructose well. Diets high in fructose derange liver function, promote insulin resistance and obesity, 
and increase the risk of cardiovascular disease. The fructose content of honey is about 40%. And listen to this, you guys. The maple syrup average of fructose, guess how much? Less than 4%. That's a big, huge difference. Now he says, for this reason, I view maple syrup as a healthier option than honey. However, it's important to remember that both maple syrup and honey are sweeteners and that ideally we should limit our consumption of all forms of either sugar. So I was super relieved to hear that maple syrup won. Not that honey is bad for you, but he's basically just comparing honey to maple syrup. As he says, you have to limit either of these. You have to uh, limit and have moderation with anything that has a lot of sugar, including your general fruits, right? Now, I will say this. I do have maple syrup every day, but I literally still measure it every day because I feel like the day you stop measuring something like that is the day it gets a little bigger, a little bigger, and by the end of the week, you're putting so much on. So if you are gonna use honey or maple syrup, I would say just make sure you always measure the amount. And honestly, I just thought it was a super interesting article. And of course, I was really happy because I felt like I won. (laughs) Okay, now let's get back into being present, right? You might be thinking, well, how is being present like part of health, nutrition, fitness? Well, I'm going to tell you. Being present in today's society, in today's time, let's face it, that is no easy task. We are constantly taken out of the present moment with things like social media, with our busy schedules, with work, with anxiety, with fear, all of those things are constantly taking us out of being present. Now there's a doctor, Dr. Flegg, and he also wrote this really, what I consider powerful article. I'm gonna read you just a little bit of it because I had never thought of it this way. And the title was The Superpower of Being Present. What two-year-olds can teach us about living with the coronavirus. And, And then he ties that and correlates it back into being present. This is what he says. I turned my two-year-old daughter, I turned to my two-year-old daughter with a simple ask. Can you worry about tomorrow for me? She gave him a blank stare. All I'm asking, he said, is that you worry about tomorrow. Just follow the lead of us adults who make it look so easy. Now, can you do that for daddy? (laughs) Don't you know about the latest case of coronavirus, he's thinking? Again, she gives a blank stare. Now, a quick question for all of us, he says. How much of each day do we spend worrying about the future, particularly as it relates to coronavirus? How much of our attention is focused on tomorrow, next week, next winter, next summer? I would have gotten a similarly blank stare if I were to demand that my daughter, he says, worry about what happened yesterday, last week, or 30 minutes ago. Think of the children in your life, in your family. Bring their presence to mind and imagine what a wonderful superpower they possess. An inability to live anywhere but the present. Their superpower is living in the moment. 
This moment, he says, the COVID-19 chapter of our world and our lives implores us to be more like our children in this regard. Being present is a wonderful thing. It relieves stress caused by focusing on failures of the past and worries of the future. Both realms are unreachable, largely unchangeable, but at the same time, they both entice and tease our minds such that we often find ourselves everywhere but in the moment as we focus on changing what has already passed or what may or may not come to be. I was really moved by the thought of asking this child to worry about tomorrow, to worry, you know, to think about that. It's like, ah, to be young again, not have the worries that we have as adults. Like I I always definitely used to think that when I looked at my son when he was a toddler, I used to think sort of like, oh, to be a kid, like he doesn't even know what worry is, right? But I never thought of it like this way before, that they don't worry about yesterday or tomorrow because they're so busy being present in what they are doing. How absolutely simple and beautiful is that. So why is it that we don't seem to be present as we get older? That's what I really sort of want to know. And that's what I was basically doing the research on for this article or for this podcast. I feel like sometimes we disengage because it's easier to manage our stress that way, right? Facing any kind of stress is much harder And I think the world we live in today with phones and social media, the addiction has just removed us completely from being present. We don't even know how to sit in a car and look around anymore and just be present while we're in our cars because what do we do as soon as we get in the car? Hopefully not the driver, although we know we've seen the driver next to us doing it. We pick up our phones, right? Being present might just be the most intimate thing you have with yourself and with others, but even with yourself. And it sounds really odd, but it's really true. And yet we are losing being present more and more and more each day. Now, why would being present change our health? Why would being present change who we are? Well, there's lots of reasons. I found some great studies in a Healthline article as well that talk about studies that have been done that are showing that being present can change your health. Now, a 2016 study of 143 adults found evidence to suggest cultivating present moment awareness could make it easier to cope not only with a single stressful event, but also later stress on the same day as well as stressful events in the future. So in some ways, when something stressful happens to us, we disengage right away, right? So it's like, we don't want to face it. I'm going to go to my phone. I'm going to look at social media. I'm going to do this. I'm going to read an article. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go work out. I'm gonna, what can I do to take my mind off this? It's like the first thing we want to do is just disengage from that stress. But what this article is saying is that by being really present in the moment and being really aware of what that stress might be, 
that is about to happen to you or that is happening to you in that moment that actually can make it easier to cope with the stress. And in many ways, if you think of it like this, it's like by not facing it, you're just procrastinating. Because whatever it is that's obviously a stress coming at you probably has to be dealt with in some way. So by pushing it away or not facing it, you're just prolonging that pressure of the stress. So being present in it, recognizing it is actually going to help you, all right? Now, they even say that being present may help relieve mental health symptoms. According to research in a 2019 article in Frontiers in Psychology, mindfulness practices, including present moment awareness, may help reduce symptoms of anxiety and depression. So when you focus on the present moment, you're paying attention to the things currently happening. And these events might range from joyous to downright heartbreaking or maybe anywhere in between on that spectrum, right? And if you're going through a tough time, you might understandably wonder how increasing your awareness of these experiences can benefit you. Mindfulness helps you recognize anxious or depressed thoughts as just that. They are thoughts. Eventually, you can learn to recognize these thoughts as you notice them and interrupt their patterns before they trap you in sort of that spiral of distress. So again, being mindful, saying to yourself, okay, this is kind of stressful. This is giving me a sense of anxiety right now. To just sit with that sort of helps you handle it. And to realize that sometimes when we say things like, okay, this is super stressful, that's your thought in your head, and I'm not denying that it is stressful, but as they said in this article, it's a thought in your head. And you might make it more than it is, and you might worry about it, more than it needs to be worried about. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I have laid in bed at night and worried about things that haven't even happened, (laughs) right? Can you imagine? Instead, I try now, especially after doing this research, to sit in bed when I start to have those thoughts and just I say to myself, okay, this is just a thought and it hasn't happened. I'm moving on now. Move on and be present. What is happening right now? So often, I cannot even tell you, I lay in bed and I think about all the things I have to do, right? This is pretty common. We we wake up in the middle of the night or we can't fall asleep and this happens to me and I think about something I didn't tell a client and then I, you know, I, I can't believe I didn't tell them I got tell them and or I think about, oh, when I'm working on this program, I can't forget to do this. And now I stop myself literally stop myself and I ask myself, can I fix this right now as I'm laying in bed? Is this a problem I can fix right now? And obviously, no, because I'm not gonna get out of bed to fix it. And I say, okay, then it can be dealt with tomorrow. And I sort of let that moment pass and it usually helps me fall back to sleep. So being, again, really present in and aware of what is happening to you is going to make so much difference in your mind, in your body. They even say that being present can strengthen your relationships. Have you ever spent time with a friend or even your partner and they keep looking at their phone? And then they keep saying like, oh, I'm sorry, what did you say? 
<laughs> Maybe you've been the one to lose the train of thought or a conversation when you had something else on your mind, right? So maybe it's your friend, maybe it's you. Come on, we've all been there. Everyone gets distracted from time to time. That's normal, it can happen, but it can negatively affect relationships. I mean, for sure, if I'm talking to my husband and I say something and I don't hear him respond and I look up and I see him looking at his phone, I get kind of annoyed. And to his defense, he does it to me too when I'm on my phone. So it's not just one way, okay? It happens both ways and I'm pretty sure it happens to all of us. But no one wants to feel ignored. And if you constantly seem distracted or disinterested in what your partner or your friends have to say, they're eventually gonna think you pretty much don't care. And I don't think that's the way you would want your relationship for your spouse, your partner, or even your friends, right? Now, a set of three studies from 2018 found evidence to suggest mindfulness can promote increased acceptance in romantic relationships, and that being more present with your partner also seemed to have a positive impact on relationship satisfaction overall. Instead of letting your mind wander to your partner's quirks or the mistakes that they make or things that you wish they would do, try focusing on the moment-to-moment experience of your relationship. This can make it easier to both enjoy the many things you appreciate about your partner and address problems or concerns as they happen, right? Now, I'm going to be 100% transparent with you. Something that I realized I have been doing now for the last probably year, I feel like it's maybe a COVID thing, who knows, is when I get in the car with my husband and he's driving, the first thing I do is I pick up my phone and I start scrolling social media or I check my email and that is like such a terrible way to be intimate with your partner, or just to be with your partner. (laughs) How about that? Just to be with your partner. So this is now something I am no longer doing. But guess what? How do you think I got to this place to see that what I was doing? I had to be present in the moment, right? I had to sit here and in my car the other day and realize what I was doing in that moment. And I don't want to do it anymore because first of all, if you're in your if you're on your phone every time you get in the car, I mean, you're just missing so many opportunities to live your life. Like I feel like it's the phones more than anything that make us so not present. We're not living life on our phone. Life is outside everyone, like it's outside the window. And so I could be having a conversation with my husband or we could be listening even maybe to a podcast together that we can then discuss. I can look outside, I can see the nature, I can see what's going on in the world when I sit in my car and I am present. And so this is just something that I'm really passionate about right now because I feel like even for me, being present is slipping away. And that's not a good thing for any of us because if we're not being present, we're not living our actual life. That's sort of the way that I view it, right? Now, what are some things that we can do less of 
to help reunite ourselves with this state of being present, of being more like a kid, right? What can we do? Well, we gotta let go of a few of these crutches, I feel like. So one thing would absolutely be less phone time. I mean, that's the given, right? If you wanna do a detox, the only detox I approve of is this phone detox. Put it down, get rid of it, Take social media off your phones if you can. I mean, the day I retire, I am taking social media off my phones. Like, I truly can't wait for that part (laughs) of retirement, okay? So less time on your phone. We all know at this point, or most people know, that you can set time limits on your phone to make sure that you're not scrolling six hours a day. I honestly think we don't need to be on these phones more than 30 minutes. And even that's probably way too much, right? But maybe you set that timer so that you can be present more than not with that phone in your hand. Another thing that makes you very not present is alcohol. And I'm going to do a whole podcast about this next week. Because alcohol is another thing, and although I've done podcasts on alcohol and your health and weight, I don't think people realize what alcohol is doing to you mentally and to that state of being present. So less alcohol is probably a good thing for lots of people. Uh, Less drugs in general, including prescription drugs. Now I'm not saying, okay, now everybody go off their drugs. Don't ask your doctor. No, I'm not saying that at all. You never go off any prescription medication ever, ever, ever without talking to your doctor first, because there might be a specific way that you have to go off that medication, and it might not be the right time for you to go off that medication. But I will say this, I see a lot of people right now on anti-anxiety medications, and there is a time and a place for sure for these medications. But what I often ask these people, and sometimes it's my client, sometimes it's a friend, I say, okay, did you talk to your doctor about a plan for when you'll go off the medication? So maybe you need it right now. You've got a lot of stress in your life and you need it right now. I get that. And that's okay. That is truly okay. But is there a plan to then come off the medication? Because I think that's really important. I see some people who had a really stressful time three years ago and they're still on the anti-anxiety medications today. And my guess is that it is not helping them be present to the fullest of what is going on. There's always going to be stressors in our life, right? But we can't take a pill to help with that anxiety all the time. Again, there is a time and a place for it, and I don't want you to go off your anti-anxiety medications without talking to your doctor. I just think that you need to have a plan with your doctor. Yes, I need this right now, but then what is the plan to go off of it at some point in your life, right? Because drugs definitely will sort of help you not be present or definitely how to respond to some of the present day anxieties. Um, Another thing that you can do to help yourself be present is make sure that when you're having your meals, there are no devices on. And that includes the television, the computer, the laptops. Your meals should be without all of those things that take you away from being present. So I have before done something called a... um, 
a silent dinner, a silent meal, it is probably one of the best ways to experience being present with your food. And it can be a little shocking. I highly recommend it and do it with your family. If you have kids right now, try doing a silent meal because for one, if you're doing a silent meal, then obviously the TVs are off and the phone should be away. There's not a device in sight. Being silent, but still being together with a meal, it gives you a whole new sense of what being present really is. You don't have to talk to be present. You can just feel sort of everybody's energy. But also what's very interesting is your food probably will taste different because you're actually tasting it while being present. You're probably going to feel full much sooner than you normally do because you're actually present in what you're doing. So doing a meal like this can be incredible because it brings a new awareness. And I think if you can do it with your kids, try it at a young age because it might be fun for them. And then try it even when they're teenagers because I think that's super important too. And then if you don't have kids, try it by yourself. Try it with your husband. Look into their eyes. To look into someone's eyes and not say a word is the most powerful form of being present. I was in a conference uh, many years ago and you had to get a partner, someone you did not know, and the only thing you had to do is you had to look them in the eyes and not say a word. So we're talking, I was in a conference room with probably well over 100 people. I had to get a stranger. I mean, how anxiety ridden is that? I, I just, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not actually an extrovert. So, oh, hey, stranger, look into my eyes. <laughs> you know, everybody had that anxious feeling and you had to look into your eyes and then the person on the stage went ahead and timed it. And I believe it was for like three to five minutes, which is a really long time. Now, let me tell you what happened. I looked into this stranger's eyes and after about a minute, Tears started rolling out of their eyes. It was so powerful that I'm like tearing up right now. Then tears rolled out of my eyes because I could see this incredible emotion in this person that I didn't even know. And by the end of the experience, like we held hands, we hugged. I didn't need to know anything about what this person was thinking. There was nothing more powerful about being present in that moment without even a single word. It was seriously beautiful. You probably think I'm crazy. Try it sometime. Try looking into your partner's eyes for five minutes without talking. It is the most intimate form of being present that you will ever experience. So there's that on that. Now, what can we, those are some of the things you want to do less of. What can we do more of? I just want to give you as many tools as possible to be present. What can we do more of to be more present? Well, for sure, we can set aside some time for what I like to call mindful moments. Um, it might be meditation for you. Sometimes I think meditation is about like getting out of your mind, right? And thinking about nothing. But I actually think that in order to be present, sometimes you just want to sit and be mindful about where you're at. So there's sort of a difference for me in that one. Another thing you can do is journaling. 
Some people really find that sitting down in the morning before the day starts or at the end of the day and journaling is a really wonderful way to be present in what has been happening in that day and how you're currently feeling. I think one of the best ways to be present are the nature walks. I love nothing more than to be in nature. So probably a huge reason that I have fallen in love with gardening, just being outside is very grounding. And when I am outside in the garden or when I go for a walk, I try to like literally embrace everything around me. The butterflies, the birds, the sounds, the clouds. And you can't do that if you're not present. So put the phones away when you're out in nature. Like you don't have to be on your phone. You don't have to be on a phone call. You don't have to be listening to music. Just take a walk in nature and look around because you're missing so much of that when you're not present. Another thing you can do is sit with your thoughts and be with them instead of trying to cover them with the busy work and the social media, right? So I just said already, get rid of the phones. But I think that when we really sit with our thoughts sometimes, it can make you less anxious, as I said earlier, by just realizing they are thoughts. And you don't have to immediately go to busy work or overtraining and exercise or social media or TV to forget those thoughts. Just sit with them. Because sometimes when you sit with them, you realize that they're just thoughts and it's really not that bad. And you kind of relax after that. You can also listen more. Sometimes we're so quick to talk. But next time you are with your friends or your spouse or your partner, your family, just listen. Because listening and really looking at them and understanding where they're coming from is a way to be present. And in general, I always say just look around at everything. So even if it's not just nature, even in your home, when you're with people, look around more and embrace the environment that you're in. All of these things can help you be more present. So we can keep escaping reality, or rather escape being who we are in a sense, but not being present or not truly living that full life by being present is such a sacrifice, I feel like, that we are all making. And again, it's we all. I'm trying to express to you that I am right there with you. (laughs) This is not just you. It is not just everyone. I mean, it's something that has sort of happened to so many of us. And I feel like if we don't start to think about it now, then we're just going to get further and further away from being present. And I think it can be hard to come back over time. Let's face it. The phones alone are a serious addiction that need to be broken in order to be more present. And it's not as easy as, okay, I just won't use my phone anymore. Like likely, you have to back down a little at a time. It's like a detox, seriously. When you detox from drugs or alcohol, it's like if you do it slowly, it'll be easier for you. Who knew technology could one day impact our lives so deeply and sadly to take away the biggest gift we have ever been given, which is being present. I think all I really want to accomplish with this week's episode is a chance to start this conversation in your head 
because I've started it in my head for sure. And the next time you're in the car with your spouse or your kids or your friends, maybe you think, oh, I remember that podcast. I'm going to put my phone away. I'm going to start a conversation and listen and be engaged. The next time you feel stress at work, maybe you can take a few minutes of time to walk outside instead of maybe turning to comfort food or alcohol. Maybe you can be present in how you feel with that stress from work and why you feel that way. Because likely that might lead to more of a solution than the comfort food and the alcohol and pretending it's not happening. So be open to the thoughts that come up for you. I know I'm guilty of not being present fully. Definitely in this last year, I feel like. I feel like the social media has crept back into my life. And perhaps it's because of COVID. Perhaps it's because there was a big stress. My son went to college. You know, you want to fill these empty moments in your heart. And so you fill them with something. But now I'm trying to fill them with being present and how it feels, right? So maybe we stop using these crutches to escape being present, all right? So make sure that you just give it your all and be present, listen, breathe, look around, smell, engage all of your senses. I think if you can do that, if you can engage all your senses, then you are truly present. That's everything for Earn That Body today. Earn That Body podcast, always here to bring you health, fitness, nutrition, information you can put into play right away. Everyone, go put being present into play. For more information about Kim Eagle's online programs, go to earnthatbody.com or check out Earn That Body on all forms of social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube.